You're listening to Impact Sports Radio, and this is Behind the Mask. We're back. Behind the Mask. Uh, it's been a couple weeks, but we're back. We have a lot of hockey to get into, but before that, we uh, I haven't spoken to any of you since Christmas or New Year's. How is everyone doing? Doing great. It's been been a while. It's been a couple of weeks. We've been uh, talking in the group chat a bit, but first time we're talking in, I was going to say in person, but not in person, in Zoom for a while. So nice to talk to you boys again and welcome back. New year, new us, right? Yeah, always great to be back on the Zoom calls. It's been, yeah, it's been a very interesting couple of weeks. A lot of hockey to talk about between Michigan State hockey and the world juniors and everything. So I'm excited to get into it. Yeah, I mean, haven't had to open uh, the Zoom application for a couple of weeks, so decided to take a long and very much needed vacation away from my computer. But all is not lost as we're getting back to talking about MSU hockey, world, so a little bit of World Juniors, and just um, a lot of Big Ten hockey to be played. So it should be a pretty exciting end to the second half of the season. Yeah. Uh... Second half of the season has been uh, has gotten underway. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, Michigan State currently sits at four, four and two. They're tied for second to last in the Big Ten with their uh, with the opponent they play this week, Michigan. But we'll get to that in a second. We have two. We actually have two series to recap uh, that we have not spoken about since the last time we were here. Uh, first one: Michigan ended their 2020 calendar year again in South Bend at Notre Dame. Uh, they split there. Uh, game one, uh, both teams tie 1-1. Notre Dame wins in a shootout. And game number two, Michigan State won 4-3 with a beautiful end-to-end uh, goal by Tommy Miller in overtime. Drew DeRitter, 42 saves. And on that, uh, on the entire weekend, Drew DeRitter, Drew DeRitter saved 89 out of 93 Notre Dame shots. Uh, so on one hand, it's good that you're saving 89 of them. But on the other hand, it's bad. You're letting up 93. So what would you see uh, this weekend that impressed you? I mean, the uh, Notre Dame series, it was not really too entertaining to watch that 1-1 tie. It's, it goes down as a tie, but technically we lost in the shootout, so I'm pretty sure Notre Dame gets the extra point. I hate how Big Ten does that, but whatever. I digress. But the uh, second 4-3 overtime win, that game was a very entertaining game to watch. Earlier in the season, when we were talking about our like preseason, what to look at, I think we um, we highlighted the the Tommy train, how the uh, Tommy Apap and Tommy Miller were captains. So it was cool to see Tommy Apap tying that game with about 22 seconds left. And then Tommy Miller went end to end to win the game there. So good dub for MSU against Notre Dame in that overtime game. Yeah. And I think one of the other things, I think I mentioned this specifically uh, like during the first episode, uh, we were talking a lot specifically about the goaltending situation uh, and like there was going to be some kind of controversy with it uh, where they play like Charleston or more uh, over Dritter because Dritter looked kind of shaky to start off the year last year before losing his spot to Letheman and whatever. But Drew Dritter has been the backbone of MSU this entire series or this entire year, really. I mean, saving 89 out of 93 shots, like we said, like the, the guy has just been on fire the entire weekend or the entire season, I mean. And so it's just kind of, it's been really fun to watch him kind of step up to that role. Pretty much what we've all been saying this year is that DeRitter has basically been the saving grace for the Spartan team. Um, and I mean, Hattie highlighted it perfectly, you know, 89 out of 93 shots. He's been a machine between the pipes. Um, for me, what I can take away from this the Notre Dame series is 
the penalty kill went perfect. Um, they had struggled in a, the past couple of games before they let up uh, three power play goals against Minnesota, which if you take a look at Minnesota's rankings right now, the first in the Big Ten, and that's by a long shot. They, they haven't lost a game yet. Their offense looks formidable. But the Spartans were able to pretty much mitigate everything that came at them against Notre Dame. Um, and they also they matched the record from last year at Compton uh, Family Ice Arena in South Bend, which is very good. Um, it shows that this team is able to win, not only on the road, but they're able to pick up points against pretty strong oppositions, especially with Notre Dame um, being pretty good last year. Um, to be able to take three points on the road, um, given um, South – given – Notre Dame was without fans, I believe. Um, being able to take three out of six points is pretty good for the Spartan team, especially at the end of the first phase of uh, play. Yeah, um, not much to say about that. It was a couple of weeks ago. Michigan State, yeah, as you said, got three out of their six points they could, they could have gotten. Then they took the long holiday break, had their Christmas and New Year's, and they came back and played Penn State, who going into it, they – Michigan State, I believe, was last in the Big Ten after game one, but no longer sits in last after game two. So, yeah, uh, game one, Michigan State lost one nothing. Uh, I believe it was Powell Connor who made a D-to-D pass for the one goal. It happens, freshmen make mistakes. It was D-to-D pass. Denton Cole himself said it was the right play. It just kind of uh, – he, he just kind of fanned on it, fell off the stick. Bad mistake. Uh, but game two, going into it, they, Michigan State was in a little bit of a pickle. Um, so on top of uh, having already lost game one, Tommy Apap sustained an injury in game one of that series that put him in a walking boot, that he was walking fine and no pressures or anything. But the entire series, the Michigan State was also down without A.J. Hodges or Adam Goodsir. Uh, Dan Cole would not say why. So we're just going to leave it at that. But they went into it without without APAP, Hodges, and Goodsir, which is three three pretty major losses. So we saw increased roles from Kamer, Estevez, and actually Jake Smith, who came in the lineup. So, and yeah, and Michigan State came out with an offensive showcase in game two with a 5-1 to one win, uh, ending Penn State's four-game win streak after the Nittany Lions started uh, 0-5, I believe. Michigan State uh, splits with Penn State, offensive showcase in game two, and the Ritter makes 64 out of 66 saves on the weekend. So, generally, what did we see out of this weekend? Well, I'm going to come out with a little bit of a hot take here. I was not impressed by MSU's game two that much. Sure, they won 5-1, to one, most goals they've scored in the season. But other than a few top corner snipes, I saw a lot of, lot of dumb passes, a lot of wimpy turnovers. And just because Michigan State was versus Penn State, they were able to, you know, win 5-1. to one, But... I don't know. I just, I just wasn't too impressed with it overall. I thought, you know, maybe it could have even been more, but something that I got to talk about, I'm going a little bit of a rant here. Sorry, boys. Michigan State's power play. Sorry. What, what happened to it? Last year, Michigan State at one point in the season was fourth nationally with about a 32% power play. This year, sure, we lost uh, Patrick Kordorenko, Sam Saliba, and a couple other power play components. But Michigan State added Charlie Combs, and who is known for his power play, and Michigan State is just ten percent this year. I I really don't know what happened to Michigan State's power play, and that's something that Cole really should get going. It's something that Michigan State needs to win some games here, and 
yeah, sorry about that. I just I just had to go off on that for a second. Uh, I think one of the issues that's kind of plaguing them is they're allowing themselves. They're allowing the, the they're losing loose puck battles that allows the puck to get cleared. That's one of the things uh, that I've noticed so far with this power play. They're getting good puck movement up top. Uh, they have Cezanne up top, who's uh, who's moving the puck pretty well. Lewandowski is taking a shot from the right side. Now we're now they're on the left. Uh, but other than that, like it's just they're they're losing a couple of loose puck battles that allows them to get it cleared. Uh, Denton Cole said last year in a quote that, that stuck with me a lot. Uh, if you're killing a penalty and you ice it down three times, typically you're not going to get scored on, and that's happened a couple times. Yeah, and I mean you can talk about loose puck battles as well, but if you really look at it, it's a lot. A lot of your power play success comes from that opening faceoff. You lose that opening faceoff. You just lost your offensive zone time, and you have to spend another 15, 20 seconds getting back into the O zone after the other team knocks after the other team uh, dumps it down into your your own zone. And that MSU took a big hit um, against Notre Dame whenever they were losing face off faceoffs left and right. Jake Pavanka was sent in on almost I want to say two out of maybe every four draws when MSU had a power play. And he stymied them in the dots. That was the first series that MSU had lost, not just one game, but two games in the faceoff circle. They lost both games. And on the power play, they just could not get those, those faceoffs. They just could not win those opening faceoffs. And they were spending, I want to say, half the power play just trying to get back into the Notre Dame zone because every time they had a faceoff, they would lose it. So... Yeah, which is weird considering that I believe after the Minnesota series, Michigan State was one of, if not the best, our uh, faceoff team in the country. And since then, they have lost in the faceoff that three out of four games. But um, that, that's something I'm sure they can get back on track. Because I, I know Dan Cole's been experimenting with more play, uh, more people at center. I know he took Pap off uh, off the center, put Muir there. Uh, losing a Pap in game two definitely didn't help. That's your best faceoff taker. Uh, now that was fine, but yeah. Other than that, I think they'll get, they'll they'll get back on eventually. But uh, the last three or uh, the last four games, they've struggled with base off time compared to what they did before. Yeah, and I would say even for this game, like I would agree with Ryan on this. I was not really overly impressed with how MSU played uh, in that second game. I thought they were doing some things right. I thought they did a decent job of trying to throw the puck on net and just funnel pucks to the net and crash for rebounds, but. I wasn't overly impressed with like the quality of shots they got either. And honestly, I would say the biggest reason MSU won that second game, especially by as much as they did, wasn't, wasn't even because of anybody on MSU. I thought the goaltending for Penn State in that second game was kind of the reason they lost. Like, uh, what do we say, only 20 shots on goal for uh, Soulier, Penn State's goalie in that game? Uh, and he led in four uh, with an empty netter to go with. But... Um, yeah, I would say with that, uh, I don't. I still don't get why Penn State uh, benched their goalie that put up the shutout in Game One. But audio. yeah, audio. But um, yeah, I th- I would say honestly, this game's pretty much on the goalie. I can't really. I wasn't overly shot in the head with anything else MSU has done, because at least game plan wise, it just kind of seems like what we've known MSU to be this whole the whole time of being a you know, very defensively minded, really will not generate many scoring chances at all type of team. 
No, and, but I think you also have to take the game two against Penn State with a grain of salt then because they uh, you put it five and there was a good mix of all kinds of goals. There was They got goals where they generated their own chances. They made good passes. They uh, The fourth goal to, Bur- uh, the Bur- to Bernie Stevens was that actually generated by Michigan State winning a faceoff, getting a good tie-up. And they got deflections. They got traffic in front. They saw some guys that don't usually score put in the net. So I think while the score may have not been vindictive of how that game actually went, I think – it is a good sign for a team that does need to put more pucks in the net. Right. And there's definitely some good, uh, like, spots to build, like, things to build off of going forward. But, like, yeah, just looking at the scoreboard, this is not what you would consider what a 5-1 victory would look like. It's not – it was not that dominant showing that the score would have to be. I mean, to me, you, you have to take your chances. Anytime that you go up against a team with two goalies that are letting – in as many goals as possible. Um, you have Audio with a 380 or letting in around four goals per game. Same thing with Soulier. I mean, anytime you can get your chances to get some confidence boosts by putting in as many goals as possible is great. I mean, you, I mean, you don't put a puck in between the net or you don't tickle twine in game one. Yeah, boo-hoo. But game two, you know, Jaeger Joshua, two goals. Um, you, you're winning the face-off battle in both games. Uh, they won 64 out of 110 draws, which isn't really much. But game one, they won at 34-19. Game two was a lot closer, 30-27. 30, 30 but you get your third-line left wing, two goals, one off of a, a tip in front from a Nash Neenhouse shot. And then, you know, Christoph Papp comes in the lineup. Pap needed that game two. Um, before he had been benched in game two of the Notre Dame series, he came in, was inserted at left wing uh, for game one against Notre Dame. And Cole had said that they had been trying to work him in on the wing to make him more, you know, dispensable, more, um, more of a complete player. They wanted to have somebody else come in to take faceoffs for him. Because he, he, I mean, he had been one of MSU's better face-off guys, but he wasn't that guy. So, you know, you throw him in on left wing. Um, Cole had said he, he had sat him a couple of games so that he could see this is how much effort you have to play with to play in the Big Ten. In that game two against Penn State, coming back in the lineup for game one and game two, you get two assists. That's a big confidence booster for a guy like Pap who has been benched at least, I think, three times this season. So, I mean, you, we can – or us on the podcast can blame it on Penn State goaltending or the coach's decision to let in a guy who's letting in as many goals as I take in donuts. But, I mean, when you look at it, it's a huge confidence booster for those young guys, especially Pap, who has needed it. You need, you need whoever is on your first two lines to be playing with confidence, to be playing with swagger. And a 5-1 victory in which you're accumulating points will definitely do that for you. And that's my TED Talk. Yeah, and on that note, uh, another like European who actually has been making strides on adjusting to the American game is Mueller. We saw Mueller at center this past weekend, which means he's been, he's been trusted to take on more defensive responsibility. And last year, the, like, the offensive uh, promise was there. Like, Mueller came in as a true freshman last year and was originally on that Kodorenko-Lewandowski top line. So, like, he, he showed that offensive flash. But over the course of the year, 
Uh, he's sort of getting too flashy. Like he couldn't adjust the European game. Where he needs to like play defense, play structured, make the smart pass instead of making an extra move. And I get, I think him taking reps at uh, center, especially when they were down a couple, a couple of key players, and when they needed to take faceoffs, is a, it's a testament to him and to coaching. So yeah, just want to add that. Um, so yeah, that's both series we need to recap. Now we get into this weekend series against Michigan. Uh, for those of you who don't know, this is a home and home. This will take place in the eighth and ninth, Friday, Saturday. Uh, game one will be in Ann Arbor. I believe seven, yeah, seven p.m. puck drop on Friday in Ann Arbor, and then on Saturday, four thirty afternoon puck drop in New Lansing. So it'll be a home and home. Uh, Michigan, Michigan State come in tied in the Big Ten standings. Both of them have eight points in eight games. Uh, and there are four Wolverines who are coming home after that World Juniors uh, tournament, which we'll get into a, into a sec. Getting into it a sec. Uh, so yeah, uh, assistant coach Mayotte, Cam York, uh, Cam, uh, Matt Beneers, and Brenda Brisson will all receive the medal at last night's uh, World Juniors uh, celebration. Uh, could have been six uh, if Beecher and Bordalo were not sent home. Uh, speaking of Bordalo, he's probably the number one player to watch. And he's a freshman this year, and he has 10 points in eight games, leading the team and uh, among uh, one of the top in college hockey. Uh, Kenton Johnson's at a point per game, and Cam York is Cam York. Uh, coming in, the goaltender battle, Strauss Mann, who's had a season that probably more of us, uh, we expected more out of. Not terrible, but not what we expected. Uh, DeRitter, on the other hand, is coming in with a much better resume this year. Uh, 946 save percentage, with his ninth, which is ninth in the country, came into the Penn State series, 10th in the country. And right now he's three spots behind Spencer Knight, who's a pretty good goaltender, if that tells you anything. So what are we looking for this weekend, gentlemen? Uh, we're looking for MSU to take this tidal wave of Michigan players and Michigan talent and hopefully just subdue it somehow. Michigan, I'm not really sure how they are five and five and are tied with Michigan state in the points right now. I was looking at, it and I was like, well, that's a little bit of a shock, but nonetheless they are. So Michigan, they got a lot of talent and there's going to be a lot of player. Well, not a lot of players actually just Cam York, Brenda Brisson and Matthew uh, Bernier. I think that's how you pronounce it. Oh, just those three coming off of the gold medal high. So, I mean, you got to watch out for all that talent and all that confidence. So good luck to MSU and we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I'm really torn personally on how, how to view this matchup in general because we know the talent that the Wolverines have. We're talking about Cam York and literally and all the other guys uh, that we've mentioned so far. But it's weird because we're dealing with the complete opposite of what we're going with when we're looking at Penn State coming into it. Because Penn State started off the season terribly. I think, what, 0-5 at the beginning of the year? And then they went on a three-game winning streak. Uh, and then Michigan's like the complete opposite. They went, they started their season 4-0, and now they've lost five of their last six. Uh, so the Wolverines are kind of struggling right now. Um, and I think Michigan State can – uh, take advantage of that and kind of, you know, try and get some wins off of that. But it's going to be hard, and they're going to have their work cut out for them, trying to deal with all that talent they have on the roster. Yeah, uh, and on top of that, yeah, like, yeah, you're right. There's a, there's other things that factor into the game that like you don't really think about because the last time these two teams played was the Big Ten tournament, and Michigan won three nothing both nights. 
And this, like, this Michigan State team, like, while there are a lot of young kids that weren't here last year, there are also a lot of guys and leaders on this team that remember that vividly, how they got bounced by their rival uh, and got shut out two straight nights to end the season. That, that, that lives with you and, and it eats at you. And that's got to be a motivating factor. And I'm betting Michigan State thinks they can catch the Wolverines coming off that high, you know, getting their teammates back, bringing the gold medals and trophies back, thinking that they can pounce on them. Uh, and maybe catch Michigan sleeping and still riding the excitement of the winning gold. Yeah, I mean, going off of what Jacob said, Michigan, they're trying to get off the schneid. You know, you lose five out of your last six games. You get swept uh, at home at Yost against Notre Dame. You get swept at home against Minnesota. Your one win um, since mid-November, since the, near the end of November is a 3-1 victory in Happy Valley against Penn State, who's, who sits at the bottom of the Big Ten standings. Michigan looked very good to start the season. And on paper, they look like a team that should just beat anybody all over besides Minnesota, which, which should be a dogfight. But as we see, they let up seven goals against Minnesota and only put one on the board. I mean, this, this team is most likely sitting in Ann Arbor looking at themselves in the mirror, wondering what are we doing wrong? And if you're Michigan State, you, you want to capitalize on that. Because if, if that's the case, then Michigan should be a scary team coming out of, you know, the winter break, having that time, you know, get your feet back, get, get your motivation back. You're for, you're, you have the Team USA captain coming back and Cam York. You've got guys that have just competed in Edmonton coming back, one gold for the U.S. That should be a huge momentum, a huge momentum swing for them. And if, if you're the Wolverines, you want to look at it and say, the re- our record is zero and zero. From now on until the end of, this, end of the regular season, we're, we're, right now we're zero and zero. Let's win the second half of the season. And if you're the Spartans, you really want to put a damper on that really quick. I mean, after the GLI last year, that's that's a Mich- that's actually what Michigan did last year as well. Uh, you're right because they they went into the GLI and they performed really well in that tournament. All of a sudden, like Michigan was a like they were they were a pretty good team going into the GLI, and then the GLI happened and they hit this kind of stride offensively and defensively, and Strauss man uh, caught heat, and Michigan went on this crazy tear at the end of the year. That was we, we never got to see what it became at the end because the season was cut short, but. Basically, from the new year, Michigan did catch fire and they became a new team. So, yeah, they can do that again. Or, like Jacob said, they can continue to just hit this uh, lull stretch. Uh, so, now we get into the blank wins if. Uh, yeah, I'll go last this time. Man, this is this is my favorite Hattie segment that he brought to the show. I, I love it personally. But uh, I think – Michigan will win if, um, like the other boys said here, they they find themselves. They're they're a highly talented team. It's the second half of this of the season. It's a brand new year. They have to find themselves. We talked about how last year they went on an absolute tear in the second half. They could easily do that this year. They have their goalie. They have the talent. They they just have to put it together. They just have to look at themselves in the mirror and say, "We are Michigan." And we could do this, theoretically speaking. So I just look at it and say, 
if you get your full team together working as four full line wrecking crew, all the defense, everybody working as a full depth team, Michigan will be able to win the series easily doing that. All right. For me, when I played hockey, I was a goalie. So this advice never really pertained to me. But one of the things I would always hear my coaches tell the team, the most often, like at any level, any age, was crash the net. And just, and I think if MSU can do, successfully do that against Michigan, they, they're going to win. They, because we know what MSU has been so far. On defense, they're fantastic. They won't, they've very rarely allow many goals at all. Dritter has been fantastic. The whole defensive end has been great. Where they struggle is on offense and trying to put pucks in the net. And so I, what I've noticed, I saw sometimes in the Penn State game, you know, where like some of the goals they had, they had gotten were like rebounds from Soulier, uh and like they were able to clean up and take advantage of bad opportunities in front of the net. And so if MSU can, you know, continue to be aggressive and play, you know, on the offensive for the game, then I don't see why they shouldn't be able to capitalize on this at all. And that, yeah, that's why, that's my MSU wins if. What's your Michigan wins if? Oh, I gotcha, my bad. (laughs) Um, I have Michigan will win if MSU gets in penalty trouble. Because, like I said, MSU, very offensively limited. Um, and, you know, they kind of rest a lot on their defense. You can, the only thing that can really kind of stretch that defense and kind of get it to its breaking point would be special teams. Uh, if, if Michigan's on the power play the whole game because MSU takes bad penalties and doesn't play disciplined, then that gives them free reign at Drew DeRitter, who, can, who, while he's been great this year, can only do so much. So I just... The key is for MSU to stay out of the penalty box in that case if they want to be Michigan. Yeah, so for me, Michigan will win if they score on the power play. Um, Kind of piggybacking off of Jacob's point, MSU has been a very undisciplined team this year. Um, Like I said earlier, they let up three power play goals on 10 opportunities against Minnesota, but they've stepped up recently. Um, They've given up one power play goal in the last four games. But they're going up against a Michigan team that it runs about 29% on the, on the power play. So for me, if in order for Michigan to win, they're going to want to be able to capitalize on getting most likely at least two or three opportunities per game this series against the Spartans. Um, for the MSU side, um, the Spartans will win if they score first. Um, this is a historic – Danton Cole is historically good when scoring first. Um, and in this series, the team who has scored first has won five out of the last six meetings barring playoffs. I'm pretty sure this is a regular season statistic. So, for me, this is a – this is very cut and dry. You score first, you're in the driver's seat for most of the game. Um, we saw, or yes, we saw the Spartans put up two goals in just over five minutes. I think it was five minutes and three seconds against Penn State in game two. They've been putting up goals in the first period 
Um, I want to say they haven't done – they didn't uh, in that game one against Penn State, but they've been doing it on a very consistent margin. And it's really kept them close in games, especially whenever they get into that second period when they really kick it in gear and become a much more defensive team, and it's very hard to break them down. That with them playing with a lead, a very young team, it, it'll really help them in, uh, in the confidence um, aspect of their game if they can actually hold a lead against a top-tier team like Michigan. Kami took mine. So, and, and, and you provided a better stat than I did for it. So, I'll give you that one. Uh, so, yeah. Mine, I'm going to go with Michigan wins if they control the face-off circle. Uh, we saw it with Notre Dame. We saw it with Penn State. Uh, Michigan State is not the same team they are if they don't control the face-off circle. So, I think if Michigan controls that, they can get a, they can get a good edge in the game. And Michigan State will win if they lead after the first period. If Michigan State leads after the first period, they have not lost yet this season. They just – they play better with a lead, and Drew Ritter is too hot right now for any team to make a comeback uh, – make, to make a comeback on them. Well, I forgot to do my uh, Michigan State wins if I uh, just did my Michigan one, and I was riding a little high there, so I guess I just forgot to say it. But Michigan State will win this series if they make Michigan uncomfortable. What I'm saying by that is Michigan hasn't played since December 8th and 9th of last year. They're, they might have some rust, you know, some of their, some of their players came off world juniors, a completely different team. So what I'm saying by make Michigan uncomfortable is, is just to clog up the middle, make the entries really hard, make sure they can't really get going in the MSU zone, make sure that every, every passing lanes, you know, clogged up, move the defense around, maybe be a little bit more aggressive than normal. Cause I think if you could do that, you will see Michigan on their heels a little bit more than offensively attacking and Michigan state will take advantage of that hugely because they're the defensive team. And if their defense shines, then they'll create offensive opportunities that will help in winning the game. Okay. I like everyone's. That was a good, that was, we did that segment. Well, uh, now moving on to a segment that Jacob has dominated and it makes me upset. Uh, the big t- uh, behind the mask, pick them. Right now, Jacob leads with 10 points. I have six, Cam has six, and Ryan has five. So we're going to have to change Jacob's rules uh, to keep this fair. Uh, I'm down with that. I don't think I object. Is. Object. I, I firmly object. Yeah, no. We'll, we'll just let Jacob uh, just keep on his raucous hair this year. Uh, but, yeah, we have four series to predict this weekend. So. Uh, first one, Penn State travels to Columbus, take on Ohio State. What's everyone have this? I got Ohio State. I just think they match up better, and um, I'm picking them for the sweep. I also have o- the Ohio State University. Um, I've got – I just – I like the team much more than I do Penn State. Um, I, you know, watching both play, um, I just – I there's it just has that it factor. Ohio State – has proven that they can defend the net. Penn State has not proven they can do that. Simply put, I take Ohio State. Um, I'm predicting the start of the second phase of Penn State unhappy Valley hockey to not start off on the highest note. I have Ohio State in a sweep. Uh, you cannot have goaltenders who let in, I, like I said earlier, as many goals as I eat 
donuts. So therefore, the Buckeyes will surround their their good friend and net Tommy Napier, and we'll, they'll they'll easily win this series. Uh, you know, I, I I originally put Ohio State, but that just gets repetitive, and I want to catch up to Jacob, so I'm going to take a split here. Uh, I do think Ohio State matches up better, but I could see Penn State getting back on track and getting more pucks on that, and they can take one in Columbus. So I'm taking a split. You guys take Ohio State. I might just lose two points just because I got petty. But moving on, uh, the one we've talked about so far, uh, Michigan versus Michigan State. What's everyone have? I didn't want to do this. I, I still don't want to do it. I still don't want to do it as I'm hyping myself up to say it. But I have Michigan in the sweep. Oh, that was, that was hard to say. I, I just think that what we talked about is the second half of the year, it could be a completely new Michigan team looking wise. Wow, that was great English by me over here. But um, I just think they could look very, very good. Boom, another A-plus on the English. And uh, I, I'm picking Michigan with the sweep here. See, okay, I, I have a split. I... I still see a lot of parallels between uh, this and the Penn State series, mainly because um, it's it's weirdly the opposite. We we had known Penn State to be a bad team that had gone on a winning streak. Now Michigan was a really good team that's on a bad losing streak. But I think really a lot of that also cancels out because of the rivalry. Um, you know, it's it, with a rivalry like this, both you know both teams are going to get up for it. And so I expect both of them to come at and give their 100% for the entire series. And so I think each team's end up going to getting one game on each other. So I'm going to split. Yeah, I'm following in Jacob's footsteps here. I'm not joining the Jacob bandwagon just yet. But my, my reasoning is um, kind of similar. Um, on paper, this really shouldn't be close, but uh, you can basically throw the paper – out of the window, you could burn it, you could put it in a shredder. That doesn't mean anything right now. Um, I believe that uh, the Spartans will most likely take game one, but they are historically bad in game twos. It does not matter if they win or lose. They are just, it, no matter the game one result, game two has just not been very kind to them. So I think that Michigan will get off the schneid and uh, win game two. I got this as a split. You know, generally, just picking what I pick is not a bad strategy, just saying. I would also like to point out that uh, Hattie's switch from a Ohio State sweep to a split rebuts his inference that Penn State is openly bad for he believes that they will be good for one game. I when I'm wrong. I also said Michigan win the Big Ten. That's not, that's not looking good. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, and on that note, I'm actually taking Michigan State to sweep this weekend. Uh, I think wow. there are more things factoring in here off the ice than actually on the ice. I think Michigan's right in the high of the gold medal. They're not going to be as focused. Uh, Drew DeRitter is a better goalie right now than Strassman. And there's a lot of players on this, on this Michigan State team who the last time they played Michigan got their season ended in, in, Ar in Ann Arbor. So I think they take one uh, game one in Ann Arbor, and I think they take game two in East Lansing as well. So give me a Spartan sweep. So, yeah, that is – that's that series. Uh, moving on, number one, Minnesota travels to Madison to take on number 12, Wisconsin. I'll get mine out of the way. Uh, Minnesota's number, uh, number one right now for a reason. I will bet against them when they give me a reason to. So, right now I'm picking Minnesota to sweep. 
same exact reason. They're ten and zero. They swept every series. We're probably I feel <laughs> sorry to spoil the picks here, but we're all picking them, and I feel like the one time we all pick them, they might lose a series just because we jinxed it. But but we'll see. Sorry, boys. Well, the thing is, Wisconsin's not a bad team either. The, I expect these games to be close. Wisconsin's a good team. They're going to give Minnesota a little bit of a run for their money. They're not going to win either game, but these guys, games are going to be a lot closer than what we're making them sound like. Once again, I also have Minnesota in the sweep, but I expect them to be close. I expect this to be a very high-scoring series. Uh, Wisconsin likes to put pucks on net. They like to put pucks in the net. Um, but I think Minnesota has a much better defense than Wisconsin has an offense. So, therefore, I'm picking Minnesota in a sweep. But this should be a pretty good highlight reel for everybody to watch um, next week. All right. Easy enough across the board. Uh, last year's we have to get into. Arizona State for uh, travel South Bend is to pick on number 18, Notre Dame. So I have Notre Dame with the sweep here. I'm pretty sure earlier in the season, I think early December, these two teams squared off and they, they had a pretty good split. Actually, um, Notre Dame had an insane comeback in the second game. I'm pretty sure there were three goals down, came back in the third and won it with a few seconds left. That game was uh, pretty fun to watch. But I'd say history does not repeat itself here. These are two pretty evenly matched up teams looking at them, but I don't think they're going to match up super well. I think Notre Dame is going to get the sweep, gentlemen. Give me those two points. I, I, need, some, I need some points here. I'm in last, so yeah. You see, you're talking about these being two very, very evenly matched teams, and I would definitely very much agree with that, and that's why I have Arizona State and Notre Dame in a split right now. I think these teams match up actually pretty well on paper, and I expect it to be a very close series again, but I expect one, one team to get each game. So I got to split. Again, on paper, both teams are very evenly matched. But as I have said about three or four minutes ago, you can throw the paper out of the window. You could burn it. You could do whatever you want with it. You could do your math homework on it if you really feel so obliged to do oh, so. Don't don't do that to it. Oh no. Just whatever you do, do not look at what it says because number one. Arizona State has been a very inconsistent team this year. And number two, same thing with the Fighting Irish. They've been very inconsistent, which means I'm picking them in a split. I really do think this should be a pretty entertaining series, as all college hockey series are, especially in the Big Ten. But I just believe that I can't really pick one team to sweep either way. So I got a split. Hopefully it's a good one. Uh, I have a, I have, I mean, if I could do what I want, I'd put tie in Notre Dame winning game too, but that's not really one of the options we allow here. So I guess I'll go split as well, unless I want to be bull and go with Arizona State for the sweep, try to get points, but I'm not going to. I'll stick with my split, and that's our pick'em. Uh, we should just rename this segment. Who can catch up to Jacob? I think that'd be more appropriate. But yeah, that is our episode. We've gone for approximately 45 minutes, I believe, maybe 50. I we had a longer episode today. We had a lot to cover. Uh, forget, forgot to give a shout out. Shout out to the United States, Trevor Zagris, uh, Cole Caulfield, Spencer Knight. You you did us proud here. You uh, you beat the Kings, potentially the greatest uh, junior team ever assembled. You you could put that up to debate with the Crosby team. But yeah, we here we're not hiding our bias here. We're all American. We're, we're all cheering for them. We were happy with last Ooh. night's result. Of course, of course. Very exciting. 
Uh, one thing that I do want to say, though, um, for the Michigan series coming up, I will be covering the first game. So, hi, I'm Ryan. You can go follow my Twitter at Ryan Radosevich. Good luck spelling that because I don't want to spell it out. Sorry. But um, the first game will be on uh, the Big Ten Plus network, and I'm pretty sure the second game will just be on the regular Big Ten network. So, if you got the Big Ten network, you could watch that second game Saturday at 430. Who's covering that game, by the way? I am. I will be uh, in the arena for game two. Ryan will be covering game one. So, yeah, we'll have coverage all weekend. And, of course, we'll be back in a week with another recap of that, previewing Penn State. Uh, actually, yeah, our next episode will be on the day that the NHL starts. So, oh, it's an exciting week for us. Oh, cannot wait. So, yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm very excited for that opening night matchup, Blues-Avalanche. going to be fantastic. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get a Blues there. Of course. Yeah, have fun with that. Uh, so yeah, I got, you can follow my coverage Saturday, uh, on Twitter at K-Y-L-E-H-A-T-T-Y-I-N. And yeah, for all of us here behind the mask, thank you for listening.